Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In this episode of Boss Files. We are at a, a, a precipice right now. We are at a point where we need to make these decisions. We need to decide what kind of a society that we're going to have going forward. Salesforce founder and CEO Mark Benioff. His fight for gender equality inside his own company and across Silicon Valley. Why he's put $6 million into the effort so far, but says they're not done closing the pay gap at Salesforce. He says he's deeply concerned technological advancements may lead to more inequality. Also, why he says some of his fellow tech giants, like Facebook and Twitter, may need more regulation in the wake of Russia's election meddling, and a sobering take on the state of politics today. If we delegate these things to political figures, they're not going to get done. Also, what he pitched President Trump when they were one-on-one at the White House, and how Steve Jobs changed his life. Here's my interview with Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff. Mark Benioff, nice to have you. Thanks for being with us. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks, and welcome, by the way, to Dreamforce. We're in San Francisco. I would be there were I not about to have a baby boy. So Congratulations to you. <laughs> Thank you. Next year, next year. Um, so let's talk about 15th Annual Dreamforce. And you had the former first lady, Michelle Obama, on stage with you this morning. You interviewed her pretty unfiltered for an hour. The, yeah, what, it was great, actually. What stood out? Well, I mean, it was a huge, a, her huge focus and her huge vision for the power of women, uh, that women deserve a seat at the table and that we need greater levels of gender equality, uh, especially when it comes to business. We all know about equal opportunity. We know about equal advancement. We know about pay equality, that women need to be the pay, paid the same as men for equal work. And um, it goes more than that. It goes into boards of directors. It goes into management teams. It in, it's about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was her message, which is let's bring everybody in to this revolution that's happening in this. Uh, you know, we have this fourth industrial revolution underway. We yep. need to bring everyone into it, and that includes women. And we're going to get into artificial intelligence and, and your tool, Einstein, in a moment. But let's stick on the equality track, okay, because that is so important to so many of us. Um, You are holding, Salesforce is holding an equality summit this month. And this comes on the heels of you launching the initiative at the company a few years ago to write write the ship. I mean, pay women doing the same work as men the same amount of money. And you've spent $6 million so far to do that for 26,000 employees. But what does it say, Mark, that we need an equality summit in 2017? Well, I think this is really the key, which is that, you know, we're going through this incredible fourth industrial revolution. This is a new era. And these amazing technologies, we all are witnessing that artificial intelligence, robotics, autonomous vehicles, nanotechnologies. And we see how those things are altering our society. But we have to ask ourselves a question, which is, are we creating more equality in the world through these technologies? Mm -hmm. Or are we creating more inequality? Are we Mm creating a world that is more united or a world that's more divided. 
And are we creating a world that is truly more connected or more disconnected? And those are the, some of the questions that we're asking here at Dreamforce, not just looking at the technology, but the impact they're having on our society as well. Are you worried about that? I mean, you know the pipeline and you know how many more men are in these tech jobs and especially leadership jobs at tech companies than women. Are you worried in the back of your head that some of these advancements in technology, while so good for society in so many ways, could hurt us on the equality front? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is not, you know, worried. This is front of mind for me. Mm -hmm. I am deeply concerned that we are at a, a, a precipice right now. We are at a point where we need to make these decisions. We need to decide what kind of a society that we're going to have going forward. And you, you can see that across the board. You can see that what's happening with the social networks uh, and, the, and, the, and the elections, you know, yeah. where this technology really got out of control, that even they didn't know what was happening. And a lot of these revelations are you know, surprising to them that their technology was manipulated and used in this way. Well, um, in the same way, we have to look at how these technologies are being used by uh, everyone mm -hmm. and how are we going to bring everyone into this revolution. And gender equality is a huge part of that. Since you brought up fake news and, and, and that issue right now, let's get to that and then get right back to equality. Um, this is what your, you know, your, your, your friends or colleagues in Silicon Valley are grappling with. They were on the Hill testifying this month, as you know, Facebook, Twitter, Google, you name it, um, Russian bots, Russian troll farms, et cetera, manipulating information, posting fake ads, posting fake news stories that no one can tell uh, are fake. And the question becomes, are they too big to manage? Do they need more government regulation? What do you think? Well, that's one question. Uh, are, do these companies need more regulation? They probably do. Mm. And I think the second question is that we have some very incredible and exciting new technologies that have been born into our society, and how are they being used, and what kind of impact are they having mm -hmm. on our society? I think that's the second question, because, you know, this is, this is new technology. We, look, we see all kinds of new technology all the time. It could be biotechnologies, it could be information technologies, it could be material sciences, but whenever you get new technology, it has to be coupled with the values, you know, of our humanity. What, how, what kind of outcome are we looking for? And coming back to your issue on gender equality, hey, are we going to bring women into our workforce? Are we going to make sure that women are using these technologies as well, learning these technologies, being able to transform uh, their own careers using these technologies? That, that's on our mind here at Dreamforce. I, I think about it every time I look at my daughter, right? She's 20 months old, and I think, you know, what is your workforce? force going to look like? What is your opportunity going to look like? And I sure hope it's equal. When we sat down years ago in San Francisco and talked about this initial push to right the ship on salaries, you've done it once, now you've done it twice. Again, you've spent $6 million to do this. Are you, are you done? Because a lot of this you say, Mark, came from companies you acquired where you admit there was quite high gender inequality and inequity in pay. Is this, is this ongoing? Well, first of all, let's get it right out there. There's no finish line when it comes to equality. That's number one. Now let's talk about you know, where we are going forward. You look at just pay equality, mm -hmm. and we know that in the world we're paying men and women very differently. The World Economic Forum says it will be more than 200 years before men and women are paid the same mm -hmm. for the same work. I mean, just look at what Patty Arquette said at the Oscars about mm -hmm. how women are treated differently in Hollywood. We all understand that multidimensionally. 
But that's true in my company as well, where we have a very significant issue regarding pay equality. Hmm. So we saw several years ago we had a pay discrepancy. You remember we talked about that. And we made a pay adjustment. We raised our salaries for women $3 million. Then all of a sudden, two years later, we ran the same queries on the same database, looking at the same information. And guess what? We had another $3 million discrepancy. Hmm. How could that be? Well, we had bought a couple dozen companies. Yeah. And when you buy a company, you not only get all their technology and their management team, guess what else you get? You their get pay their scales. Problem. You get their problems, too. <laughs> you get their problems, get their and problems. they had pay problems, because those problems are out there. And, of course, then we have to re-equalize and make those changes again. And, you know, that, that's where we are. There's no finish line when it comes to equality, exactly like I said. So on my mind, mm-hmm. on just on this one issue, you know, do we have enough women on our board of directors? Do we have enough women in our management team? Do we have enough women in, in middle management? The answer is generally no, we, we don't. And are we paying men and women the same? It's, the shocking truth is we're not. And so we have to keep this front of mind, just like I said. And this is really the role of, uh, of leadership today is to look at our, are we, where are we on diversity and mm-hmm. inclusion? So of those numbers, because you told me years ago the goal is 50-50, really parity um, within five years. Uh, Here's where you are now. Gender overall at the company, 70% men, 30% women. Leadership, 80% men, 20% women. How do you, you talk about a women's surge, a diversity surge, but how how do you make that happen, Mark? I mean, I guess I'm asking... You force it? Well, we have Are improved those numbers actually very significantly since we last talked. Yep. So those points of everything has moved up mm-hmm. and everything is moving in the right direction. And we have all kinds of, you know, creative new ways that we found to start focusing on and improving those things. That is something, unfortunately, is really born through our whole industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that well, we wear that and we recognize we need to make sure that we're constantly making those improvements and changes. And, and I think it's empirical that we are. A CEO of a big Fortune 500 company told you when you made this push years ago, don't do it. Do not do this. I wonder if they called you back and if you changed their mind. Well, the funny thing is now I am the CEO of a 500, Fortune 500 company. <laughs> you were then too, though. Soon. <laughs> Soon to be the CEO. Well, we just got in the Fortune 500 last year, uh, but, okay. and soon we'll be the CEO you know, of a Fortune 100 company because we're the fastest growing of the top five software companies. So we take this seriously because people are looking to us as an example and as a role model. And some of these things I'm quite embarrassed by, you know, that somehow we let these things you know, get out of our awareness and get out of our consciousness, and we're trying to bring those things back in. Did you change the CEO's mind? I've fortunately been able to change quite a few CEO minds. <laughs> so on, on diversity, and then let's move on to some other topics, but on, on uh, diversity in terms of ethnicity, there's a lot of work to do there, too. I mean, you guys post all these numbers publicly. A lot of companies don't do that. 64% white, 2.5% black, 4% Hispanic. What needs to happen? Well, what we have to do is bring everyone in, and we need to be more inclusive and this has to be a major focus of our company and our whole industry. Um, that is, by the way, not just true at the employee level, which is some of the numbers you're citing, mm-hmm. at the management team level, at the executive level, and on the board of directors uh, as well. And this is something that we're very focused on. And one, I think one of the most exciting things that we're doing 
is we're really focusing on empowering our employee resource groups. Of course, we have phenomenal employee resource groups that represent our actually quite diverse employee population. We're really saying to them, hey, here's the funding, here's the capabilities. Where should we recruit to go bring everyone into the company? I think this has been a big change, and this is actually how we've moved the needle the fastest and the most. This all also ties into the moment of reckoning when it comes to sexism, sexual harassment, uh, sexual assault um, across industries uh, that is coming to the fore, thank goodness. Uh, It is, you know, in the fore in Silicon Valley right now. How do you see this, Mark? I see this right in the gender equality zone as well. I think this is 100% part of the same issue, which is that, you know, when the the scales of power tip too heavily... Um, you get these, some of this outrageous behavior. Hmm. So it's actually two sides of the same coin. That's why these things are so important. It's the tone from the top. Mm-hmm. You know, are you letting everybody know that these are your goals? Look, you're, you're not going to hit the, you're not going to, sh- you know, go to the moon unless you're shooting for the moon. You're not going to the stars unless you're shooting mm-hmm. for the stars. We have to get clear on what our attention is. What do we really want? What is really important to us? about diversity and inclusion. I think the only reason we've been able to make progress since we last talked a few years ago is because we've been so overt in our, in our desire uh, for this. Yeah. And I think that if you don't take that on, well, then things can happen, I think, inside your culture as well. This is another reason why the equality focus is so important. You know, all of a sudden, if people think that it's okay, um, well, then behavior can get out of control, and you, you see that. I've seen it. I've seen it in a lot of companies, and uh, certainly companies that I've worked in. And that isn't the kind of company we want at Salesforce. We want a company that is focused on gender equality. Has the outing of some of these harassers, these abusers, has it changed, Mark, how you've been talking about it with your team at Salesforce, how, you're, how you are working on approaching the issue? Does it change anything for you guys internally? Well, I think, honestly, for us, it hasn't. I think that for others, it's an acceleration. Mm. I mean, for us, we've recognized this years ago that this is an area that requires dramatic improvement. And I think we've been able to make very significant improvement. But I think for others who maybe, like you mentioned, Mm. who are kind of wondering or are still fence sitters, I think for them, it is a wake-up call that these things can get out of control and you've got to take this very seriously. Mark, we've also heard, thank goodness, from a number of men across Hollywood, Silicon Valley media, who say, I stood by and I watched this. I watched it happen. I didn't speak up. I didn't say anything. I just wonder, before we move on, um, have you? Have you ever seen this happen to women through your career? Um, I wouldn't say that I have these overt examples, like we're seeing these horrible things that are happening in Hollywood and some of these horrible stories, or even some of the stories that came out of Silicon Valley. I think some of this started in Silicon Valley with some of these venture capitalists yeah. and uh, investors who were harassing female CEOs. Some of that, honestly, was shocking to me. I always think I'm a little bit naive, honestly, uh, that I'm not aware of some of those things. 
But when I heard some of those stories, it's horrible and it's deeply upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. And it only, double, it, it only strengthens my resolve that we're moving in the right direction. I mean, here at Dreamforce, we have huge programs underway, as you know, in all of these areas. That is, in gender equality, mm-hmm. in the empowerment of wor- women, in diversity inclusion, uh, in LGBTQ equality, in focusing our environment, because the environment is also equality, by the way. You know, we just had these horrible wildfires here and i can tell you that when the environment goes wrong the people who get hurt the absolute worst are the people who have the least and that is clear as day of what's happened in the north bay here well that's equality you know when people who don't have power and who don't have things you know basically the the, the scales tip again against them mm-hmm. that, that's an equality issue and this is very significant for us it's one of the reasons why uh, this week we have um, a major focus, for example, on bringing uh, relief to uh, the North Bay and to uh, fire relief. We're doing a major event that so we're going to raise $25 million for those affected by the fires. For us, it's in the same zone, hmm. that we're kind of in a crisis of equality. Now, all of these things point in that direction, and I do think it's amplified by the technology. So if we're in this crisis of equality, and that could be gender equality like we're talking about. It could be LGBTQ Mm -hmm. equality. It could be about diversity and inclusion. It could be about the environment. And I'll tell you another area that it could be about our public education system. Well, We all can see that that is a major equality issue as well. If we don't have a focus on our K through 12 schools and on public education, can we say that we're truly committed to equality? Mm -hmm. Because we've got to bring all of these kids along that every child deserves a world-class education And that's one of the reasons we're so focused, for example, in our public schools here in the Bay Area. We're putting, you know, $100 million into our local San Francisco Mm -hmm. and Oakland public schools because it's in the same zone, if you will, that it's it's in equality. And for people that don't know, over the last five years, Salesforce.org, the the philanthropic arm, has given $35 million to San Francisco and Oakland public schools. You just, in September, announced another 12-point two million dollar pledge to them. This is clearly a passion point for you, as you just articulated. I wonder, as we look at the tax debate in this country right now, Mark, um, before we get to the broader plan of repatriation, do you think that the big tech firms that make a whole lot of money are paying enough in local taxes? Um, you know, I think some of them are, but I think that where they are not focused on is in the area that we're talking about, which is, yes, we're giving money, Poppy, but the other thing that's important to realize is we also commit a huge amount of our personal time. I've adopted a public school. Every single one of my senior executives has adopted a public school. We're doing tens of thousands of hours of volunteerism. Globally, we've done three million hours of volunteerism. All of our employees get six days a year paid time off to do volunteerism. A lot of that happens in our public schools. That is where we need to tip the scales. We all need to get focused on Uh, public education. I think that this is our number one issue today uh, in our country. We have got to make sure that's what's happening. And certainly everybody should be paying their fair share. There's no doubt about that. But also we all need to be focused on not just our shareholders, but all of our stakeholders. And one of those key stakeholders is public education. So uh, after the election last November, you talked uh, about repatriation and wanting to see corporate repatriation ability to bring money back from overseas and get taxed at a lower rate. Uh, If this GOP House plan passes, you're going to be able to do that. Somewhere between 5 and 12% is on the table right now. If if that happens, Mark, 
Um, what would that mean in terms of Salesforce specifically? Meaning how much money would you bring back? And how would that or would that actually translate into would you hire more? Would you pour more into the schools? What would happen? Because, you know, the naysayers look at it and they say, yeah, last time we had a tax holiday, it just went back to, you know, dividends and share buybacks. Well, number one is for Salesforce, this is actually a somewhat negligible issue. But let me speak on behalf of the industry. Um, and this is something that I've been focused on for about 10 years, actually, uh, now with two administrations, mm-hmm. that I do think repatriation would be a very healthy thing for our economy. First of all, I think it's a very healthy thing for the government because the government should be able to ring the register as that money is coming back. I'd love to see the government be able to take 20, 15, 20 percent right off the top, which is great for taxes and, and uh, great for the government in terms of the Treasury. But number two, I think it's great for these companies because they can take this cash and they can use it to invest. Now, some of them might want to use it for buyback, stock buybacks. I think that should be restricted. Mm. Uh, maybe they're going to maybe they're going to just use it to distribute their, the cash to their shareholders. I think that the cash needs to be used to actually grow our economy to hire locally. I'm sure you know Salesforce is a company that builds most of its technology already in the United States. And, you know, we're deeply committed to building here in in America, both in our headquarters here in San Francisco and in our second major headquarters, which is Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're the biggest tech employer here in San Francisco and in Indiana. And I think that's a great opportunity when they bring this cash back to really focus on growing these companies right here in the United States. I think it's a huge opportunity. That's interesting. I mean, you put some qualifiers on it. You say, you know, you can't just do buybacks and and dividend payouts, you got to, you know, invest it in ways that will better, better society. Um, Let me ask you about your, you had this like very short pitch with President Trump. You had a few minutes with him to make your case on whatever you wanted. Um, And it wasn't invest in Salesforce. It was apprenticeships. Um, Yes. His daughter, Ivanka Trump, talks about that a lot. We haven't seen a lot happen. What do you want to happen? Well, that's a great question, and it's really linked back to our last conversation about education. We are going through, and I said this before, this amazing revolution, and we are in a new era. And the key to this revolution is bringing everyone along. That's this whole interview. And how are we going to do that? It's education. It's public education. That's a critical thing. But it's also going to be a lot about job retraining. A lot of people whose jobs are going to basically change because of this new technology are going to have to get retrained. And the way to do that is with a very proven model, which is apprenticeships. You look at countries like Germany and Switzerland and others who have very deep apprenticeship programs. They have very low unemployment rates, and they're able to bring people who have incredible job change, not just people who are losing their jobs because of technology, but even refugees who are coming into countries like Germany Mm -hmm. and rapidly integrate them into society using these apprenticeship programs and vocational training. Why are we not doing that at scale in the United States? The government has fantastic programs in that area, like Apprenticeship Now and Apprenticeship USA. They're just not scaled. Mm. And so what I've asked the president to do in that meeting, which was, let's take a five million apprenticeship moonshot. Let's really build and deliver amazing apprenticeship programs. And let's create another educational system, if you will, in the U.S., And part of that can be companies like mine who take this very seriously. Mm -hmm. We're building next generation technology. We're introducing that some of that here at this conference called trailhead.com to help people get onboarded, to get integrated deeply into this technology rapidly. Mm -hmm. But also 
let's build apprenticeship programs where we can work hand in hand to do that retraining. And I can tell you right here at this conference, there's a lot of that going on. To be clear, uh, you were a supporter of Hillary Clinton during the campaign. But after the election in November, you said, and we're, we're at one year later now, you said there is a lot of positive stuff coming. How would you assess that one year out? Well, I, I, you know, I've worked with, here's how I look at it. I'll give you my honest assessment. I've now worked with three administrations. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, the political system is not something that I deeply understand. But I know that I'm the same person. I know the kind of values that I have. What, what I'm looking for has not changed. Mm-hmm. The administrations keep changing. And uh, I hope that, you know, the administration continues to move in some of these areas uh, that I'm advocating, like apprenticeship and focused on public education and doing things like getting computer science in all of our public schools. That, that's something very deeply important to me. But you're not scared, Mark, to uh, tweet directly to the president or uh, about policy when you don't agree with it. I mean, you tweeted that you were deeply disappointed that President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Um, you've been very clear just looking at your posts on immigration and against a border wall. Um, how do you decide as a CEO who has Republicans and Democrats and independents and all walks of life politically working for you what to do that for? What, when to sort of cross that bridge and speak out on these issues? Mm-hmm. Well, in my mind, it's very clear to me. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm an American. And I know what's important to me. I, mm-hmm. I have a grasp of the technology and the changes that are underway. And the reason I've been able to build this company, Salesforce, uh, over the last 20 years is because I have a vision of that future. And I so strongly believe that the very things that we've talked about in this interview, things like education, things like equality, things like the environment, these are things that we have got to focus on. This is our future. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is being driven by the technology. Look, the, 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 the future is not the past. We all know that. Yeah. And we have to get ready for a future that's very different than the present moment. What does that look- And that's what I'm advocating for. What does that future look like? I mean, for you guys, Mark, AI is so exciting. And frankly, for me as a journalist, it's really exciting to cover. But I am not sitting, and you are not sitting in the seat of the truck driver who's asking, well, where does my job go? And how do I support my kids and, and, you know, pay for their education, et cetera? Um, talk about your view on AI, because you've been pretty candid saying this will take jobs, not all jobs. But what's it going to mean for us? Well, this technology will take jobs, and we have to get ready for that change. And that's what I really am, you know, that's my really the, my call to action uh, for all CEOs. That's why I'm talking about the apprenticeship programs. That's mm-hmm. why I'm talking about this investment in public education, because you're right, we're talking about trucks without truck drivers, yeah. taxis without taxi, taxi drivers, farms without farmers, right? We, we also saw the U.S. Navy just launch an autonomous battleship. Um, so we, we see a world where the job landscape is changing. Now, to that same point, there's going to be a lot of new jobs and a lot of new opportunity and a lot of new capabilities for everybody. But we've got to bring everybody along. That's why these programs are so important. By the way, that's why I think Dreamforce is more important than ever. That's why we had 170,000 people register to come here, because they're coming to get ready for that change. And that's why it was sold out weeks and weeks ago. That's very unusual in the technology industry. And, um, of course, we're very proud of that, but I really think that that's a beacon because the kind of programs 
that we're offering here are the things that we're talking about on this interview. It's not just about technology. Yes, we're doing training on new technology here. It's also about these next generation uh, values and, and societal programs that are critical as well. You talk about stakeholders, not shareholders. I mean, you talk about shareholders. You need to focus on your shareholders. But also, you know, you are sort of the anti-Milton Friedman-esque CEO, if you will, on that front when you say the business of business is not business. The business of business is improving the state of the world. Um, We've seen that. It's, it's not just you anymore. More and more CEOs are joining you on that, on that front. What does that mean going forward? What does it mean when it comes to what's right and wrong for companies to do? What does it mean when it comes to tax reform and limits that should be put on you know, repatriated money, et cetera? How does that change your scope as an executive? Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. I'll tell you that I think this is perhaps the single most important thing that I've had the opportunity to talk about in the last few years and where I've seen the greatest change, which is exactly what you said, which is that the business of business is not business, but the business of business is improving the state of the world, and business is the greatest platform for change. I mean, I see that here at this conference. I see that with my own company. I see that with other companies, that our business leaders can take these amazing platforms, like, you know, here's Salesforce, which is creating an economy that by 2022, the Salesforce economy will add a trillion dollars to the GDP, 3.3 million jobs, a billion dollars in a positive social impact. That, that's very significant. That's uh, coupled with all of the values transformation that we're talking about. That is really exciting to me, but it's seen that all these other companies are moving in this direction. The funny thing is, is that people will call me all the time now and say, oh, well, are CEOs becoming activists? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not what I'm saying. And I'm not about CEO activism. But wait, why I is that see, so bad, see Mark? it that way. Hold on. Why is well, it bad for CEOs to speak up about what they, they think? Well, I, I want them to, but it's slightly different as a CEO activist versus actually saying my business is a platform for change, mm. that I am going to be the change that I am seeking that through my company, that through our business, through our products, through our services, through our relationships with our customers and through our partners, and yes, our shareholders, all of our stakeholders, our, through, our, through the schools, through the environment, that our company can be an example of what the future can look like. And I think if enough companies do that, then the future will be what we want it to be. So that's why all of us have to take this on. All of us have to basically wear this. Every, everybody needs to adopt a public school. So, there, there's no doubt about that. How else are schools going to change? These principals can't do it on their own. We have to get involved and help them. And I see that here in San Francisco and Oakland mm -hmm. every day. And that's true for the environment as well. That's why Salesforce is now a net zero company. We're a net zero emissions company. We're not waiting to 2050 or 2030. We're net zero today because we realize how important that is. That's why we made those pay scale changes that you talked about, because we want gender equality and we'll put that stake in the ground today. That's why I went to Indiana on our last interview. We talked about that to fight for LGBTQ equality and to make sure that everyone is treated equally. That's important. So all of these things are very important. Um, you, you get right down to it. Our companies can be this great platform for change. And that's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm so excited about Salesforce today. So for anyone listening who has not heard you uh, asked a thousand times whether you're going to run for public office because this all sounds like talk leading to that, I will just tell them that the answer is no. 
and I'm not going to ask right. you that question. But what I am going to ask you is about your future, because uh, we've seen sort of this astronomical rise for Salesforce in the past few years, especially. But you said, reading some old interviews you did, Mark, I really feel the pull of the world on me. The world mm. mm-hmm. has more challenges than ever. So that doesn't sound like someone who's going to sit at the top of Salesforce for the next 30 years. How should we read that? Well, first you're going to read it that I'm going to continue my work in personal philanthropy. You know we've, we're building two children's hospitals here in San Francisco and Oakland. And we have major programs as well in preterm birth. We haven't had an opportunity to talk about that. But, you know, health equity, health equality actually starts at birth. And, you know, we have many zip codes here in San Francisco. But I can tell you right now that if you get born into a certain zip code in San Francisco, your odds of success are much lower yeah. than other zip codes. That, that's something we have to look at. That's something that's a very much a, a focus of mine in personal philanthropy. The other area is the oceans, which is also a major program going on in here. I'm very worried about ocean acidification, about overfishing. Um, I'm uh, very worried about all the plastic in, in the ocean. Um, ocean philanthropy and the work we're doing uh, with the University of California, Santa Barbara, has been very important to me. So, so that's when you hear me say things like, I feel the, the pull of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start to get in touch on some of these issues, um, you realize that you can have impact in all these other areas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there, there is always some balance between Salesforce and the world. And fortunately, I've been able to keep that balance. And you see that with Salesforce's results and the return we've been able to deliver back to our community and our ecosystem and also our shareholders, uh, which I believe are, you know, quite satisfied. Our stock but is up know- 50% for yeah. the year. But <laughs> we... But yes, you're right that, you know, the, look, there, there's more issues than ever, and we all need to be doing our part. I know that's true for you, and you feel that way as well. Yeah, I, I think we all, we all should think about what's bigger than us. We all should feel that way. That's exactly right. As we yeah, wrap and up. We can't, we, and we can't delegate that to a politician, but I, to your but last But that's point. my question. We're not going to delegate that to a po- political. <laughs> we can't just make these bow about. But that's what, my question. We can't expect the political figures to to do this. We have to do this. We all have to but get why? involved. So this that's, is the time for all of us that's why I'm to asking get involved you, and make a difference. That's why I'm asking you, because I'm like way over time here. So before they pull the plug <laughs> on me, my question is that because you're, every CEO I ask from Howard Schultz to Ursula Burns on down, well, all of these things, you could affect a lot of change in Washington. Why don't you go to Washington? Why don't you run? None of them think that they can have nearly the impact on these issues in Washington that they can have outside of Washington. And isn't that a scary thought about the state of politics in America today, Mark? Well, number one is if somebody all of a sudden starts to talk about these issues that are so important to us, like education, like equality and the environment, we shouldn't all of a sudden say, are you going to be a political figure? Because <laughs> if we delegate these things to political figures, they're not going to get done. They're only going to get that's done what I'm if saying. all of us Isn't embrace that, that change. They're, if, you, if you ask the elected representatives that we pay with I just I, my taxes are high here in New York. Your taxes are high there. If we ask the people that we pay to do this stuff, it won't get done. That's scary. I don't expect politicians to change the world. I expect all of us to change the world. And you said Salesforce would not exist without Steve Jobs. Why? That's so true. Thank you for saying that. Well, I mean, he, he was one of the greatest mentors I had. He, he uh, was my first job ever in college when I was 19 years old in 1984. I was an assembly language programmer 
at Apple. He was a huge influence in my life. When I started Salesforce, he would bring me to his office and he would tutor me and he would mentor me. I mean, I can tell you one quick story that was amazing, which was, you know, in the early 2000s, I went down to see him because I was kind of stuck and what I was working on with Salesforce. He said, Mark, you've got to do three things. Hmm. One, Salesforce better be 10 times larger in, in 24 months or else it's over. It's very scary. Two, <laughs> you have to close a huge, massive customer like Avon. The CEO of Avon at the time was on his board, and he was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And three, you've got to build an application economy. I'm like, well, what's an application economy, Steve? Mark, you're going to figure it out. So <laughs> I went back to my home. Every night I was like reading the notes from the meeting, wrote down every single word. And finally I'm like, oh, he's saying I need to build a marketplace, and I need to get applications in it, and I'm going to have all these enterprise software capabilities and this huge marketplace of apps. And I'm going to call it App Store. And so I registered AppStore.com, the URL. I made the trademark App Store. And then when I tested it in focus groups and started to roll out the product, people said, no, it's not an App Store. It's an App Exchange. Great idea, but we're going to call it App Exchange. So we rolled App Exchange out in 2005. 2008, I got a phone call from Steve Jobs. said, I want you to come down to Apple headquarters. I got a big announcement happening. So I go down there, sitting in the big auditorium, actually, on their campus, I have quite a few of my executives who've been through this journey with me, around me. And he's on stage. He said, today I'm going to announce this amazing new Apple product, App Store. All my employees go, (gasps) you know, it was like a spiritual moment. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was incredible because we had already launched our App Exchange three years before. At the end, I went down to the stage. He was standing there. I said, great job, Steve. Congratulations. And I'm going to give you a gift. He's like, oh, what gift are you going to give me, Mark? Come on. And I said, Steve, remember that conversation we had? And I think it's now almost you know, six or seven years ago. Yeah. Well, I bought the App Store trademark and the App Store URL. I'm giving those to Apple for free as a gift back. And that was a great mm. moment for me because I just remembered that he had a huge impact on me personally and on Salesforce. He had a huge impact on the world. That's for sure. And on the world. Thank you very much for saying and that. You always wonder, you know, what, we, what, what we would he have very done? Much. What would he have done outside of Apple had he lived longer? I always, I always wonder that. Mark Benioff, thank you. Thank you for having me on, as always. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at Poppy Harlow CNN. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.